Section 21 of the Complete Works of Tacitus, edited by Thomas Gordon. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, visit LibriVox.org. Recorded by Graham Redman. The Complete Works of Tacitus, to which are prefixed political discourses upon that author, edited and translated by Thomas Gordon, with introductory essays by Thomas Gordon. Volume 1, The Annals, Book 2, Section 3, Debates in the Senate. Next time the Senate sat, long discourses against the luxury of the city were made by Quintus Haterius, a consular, and by Octavius Fronto, formerly praetor, and a law was passed against using table-plate of solid gold, and against men's debasing themselves with gorgeous and effeminate silks. Fronto went farther, and desired that the quantities of silver plate, the expense of furniture, and the number of domestics might be limited. For it was yet common for senators to depart from the present debate, and offer, as their advice, whatever they judged conducing to the interests of the common weal. Against him it was argued by Asinius Gallus that, with the growth of the empire, private riches were likewise grown, and it was no new thing for citizens to live according to their conditions, but indeed agreeable to the most primitive usage. The ancient Fabricii and the latter Scipios, having different wealth, lived differently, but all suitably to the several stages of the commonwealth. Public poverty was accompanied with domestic, but when the state rose to such a height of magnificence, the magnificence of particulars rose too. As to plate and train and expense, there was no standard of excess or frugality but from the fortunes of men. The law, indeed, had made a distinction between the fortunes of senators and of knights, not for any natural difference between them, but that they who excelled in place, rank, and civil pre-eminence might excel too in other particulars, such as conduced to the health of the body, or to the peace and solacement of the soul, unless it were expected that the most illustrious citizens should sustain the sharpest cares and undergo the heaviest fatigues and dangers, but continue destitute of every alleviation of fatigue and danger and care. Gallus easily prevailed whilst under worthy names he avowed and supported popular vices in an assembly engaged in them. Tiberius, too, had said that it was not a season for reformation, or if there were any corruption of manners there would not be wanting one to correct them. During these transactions Lucius Piso, after he had declaimed bitterly in the Senate against the cabals and intrigues of the Forum, the corruption of the tribunals, and the inhumanity of the pleaders breathing continual terror and impeachments, declared he would entirely relinquish Rome, and retire into a quiet corner of the country far distant and obscure. With these words he left the Senate. Tiberius was provoked, and yet not only soothed him with gentle words, but likewise obliged Piso's relations by their authority or entreaties to retain him. The same Piso gave soon after an equal instance of the indignation of a free spirit, 
by prosecuting a suit against Ergulania, a lady whom the partial friendship of Livia had set at defiance with the laws. Ergulania, being carried for protection to the palace, despised the efforts of Piso, so that neither did she submit nor would he desist, notwithstanding the complaints and resentments of Livia, that in the prosecution violence and indignity were done to her own person. Tiberius promised to attend the trial and assist Ergulania, but only promised in civility to his mother, for so far he thought it became him, and thus left the palace, ordering his guards to follow at a distance. People the while crowded about him, and he walked with a slow and composed air. As he lingered and prolonged the time and way with various discourse, the trial went on. Piso would not be mollified by the importunity of his friends, and hence at last the empress ordered the payment of the money claimed by him. This was the issue of the affair. By it Piso lost no renown, and it signally increased the credit of Tiberius. The power, however, of Ergulania was so exorbitant to the state that she disdained to appear a witness in a certain cause before the Senate, and, when it had been always usual, even for the Vestal Virgins to attend the Forum and Courts of Justice as oft as their evidence was required, a praetor was sent to examine Ergulania at her own house. The procrastination which happened this year in the public affairs I should not mention, but that the different opinions of Cnaeus Piso and Asinius Gallus about it are worth knowing. Their dispute was occasioned by a declaration of Tiberius that he was about to be absent, and it was the motion of Piso that for that very reason the prosecution of public business was the rather to be continued, since as in the prince's absence the senate and equestrian order might administer their several parts, the same would become the dignity of the commonwealth. This was a declaration for liberty, and in it Piso had prevented Gallus, who now in opposition said that nothing sufficiently illustrious nor suiting the dignity of the Roman people could be transacted but under the immediate eye of the emperor, and therefore the conflux of suitors and the affairs from Italy and the provinces must by all means be reserved for his presence. Tiberius heard and was silent, while the debate was managed on both sides with mighty vehemence, but the adjournment was carried. A debate, too, arose between Gallus and the emperor, for Gallus moved that the magistrates should be henceforth elected but once every five years, that the legates of the legions who had never exercised the praetorships should be appointed praetors, and that the prince should nominate twelve candidates every year. It was not doubted but this motion had a deeper aim, and that by it the secret springs and reserves of imperial power were invaded. But Tiberius, as if he rather apprehended the augmentation of his authority, argued that it was a heavy task upon his moderation to choose so many magistrates, and to postpone so many candidates, that disgusts from disappointments were hardly avoided in yearly elections, though for their solacement fresh hopes remained of approaching success in the next, 
now how great must be the hatred how lasting the resentment of such whose pretensions were to be rejected beyond five years and whence could it be foreseen that in so long a tract of time the same men would continue to have the same dispositions the same alliances and fortunes even an annual designation to power made men imperious how imperious would it make them if they bore the honour for five years besides it would multiply every single magistrate into five and utterly subvert the laws which had prescribed a proper space for exercising the diligence of the candidates and for soliciting as well as enjoying preferments by this speech in appearance popular he still retained the spirit and force of the sovereignty he likewise sustained by gratuities the dignity of some necessitous senators hence it was the more wondered that he received with haughtiness and repulse the petition of marcus hortalus a young man of signal quality and manifestly poor he was the grandson of hortensius the orator and had been encouraged by the deified augustus with the bounty of a thousand great sesterces to marry for posterity purely to prevent the extinction of a family so eminently illustrious the senate was sitting in the palace and hortalus having set his four children before the door fixed his eyes now upon the statue of hortensius placed amongst the orators then upon that of augustus and instead of speaking to the question then debated began on this wise conscript fathers you see there the number and infancy of my children not mine by my own choice but in compliance with the advice of the prince such too was the splendour of my ancestors that it merited to be perpetuated in their race but for my own particular who marred by the revolution of the times could not raise wealth nor engage popular favour nor cultivate the hereditary fortune of our house the fortune of eloquence i deemed it sufficient if in my narrow circumstances i lived no disgrace to myself no burden to others commanded by the emperor i took a wife behold the offspring of so many consuls behold the descendants of so many dictators nor is this remembrance invidiously made but made to move mercy in the progress of your reign caesar these children may arrive at the honours in your gift defend them in the meantime from want they are the great-grandsons of hortensius they are the foster-sons of augustus the inclination of the senate was favourable an incitement to tiberius the more eagerly to thwart hortalus these were in effect his words if all that are poor recur hither for a provision of money to their children the public will certainly fail yet particulars never be satiated our ancestors when they permitted a departure from the question to propose somewhat more important to the state did not therefore permit it that we might here transact domestic matters and augment our private rents an employment invidious both in the senate and the prince since whether they grant or deny the petition bounties either the people or the petitioners will ever be offended 
But these, in truth, are not petitions. They are demands made against order and made by surprise. While you are assembled upon other affairs, he stands up and urges your pity by the number and infancy of his children. With the same violence he changes the attack to me, and, as it were, bursts open the exchequer. But if by popular bounties we exhaust it, by rapine and oppression we must supply it. The deified Augustus gave you money, Hortulus, but without solicitation he gave it, and on no condition that it should always be given, otherwise diligence will languish, sloth will prevail, and men having no hopes and resources of their own, no anxiety for themselves, but all securely relying on foreign relief, will become private sluggards and public burdens. These and the like reasonings of Tiberius were differently received, with approbation by those whose way it is to extol without distinction all the doings of princes, worthy and unworthy, by most, however, with silence or low and discontented murmurs. Tiberius perceived it, and having paused a little said his answer was particularly to Hortulus, but if the Senate thought fit he would give his sons two hundred great sesterces each. For this all the senators presented their thanks. Only Hortulus said nothing. Perhaps through present awe, or perhaps possessed even in poverty, with the grandeur of his ancient nobility. Nor did Tiberius ever show farther pity, though the house of Hortensius was fallen into shameful distress. End of section 21